Hi everyone, I'm your host, Daniel Lee, and welcome to OMD Daily, a podcast about investing in people. Every Monday to Friday, I share with you what I learned the day before from studying people and companies through conversations, whether it's through interviewing investors and business leaders, to reading books and financial reports, and digesting learnings from all the other storytelling mediums out there. The goal is to build my own PhD in combining human performance with investing to figure out how I can help leaders build utopian companies. By exploring my own curiosity, I hope to become a little wiser every day and hope this adds a little nugget of learning to you on a daily basis. Hey folks, welcome back to OMD Daily. This is the June 25th episode, um, episode 36, I believe. It's also a combination with the June 25th episode, uh, June 24th episode, sorry. Um, if you're a avid listener, you'll notice that I missed a day, um, there was no episode for June 24th, and yeah, it's one. it was one of those days where I just kind of hit that stride of demotivation, or un, was it unmotivation? Yeah, I think depression is a really strong word, but it's, I don't know, I just get it from time, I've just been getting it time to time, um, just periodically, and yeah, it's just one, I think everyone gets it, right? when you just wake up and you just don't want to do anything and everything just seems so tiring. Uh, I was still able to read. I was still able to do my journals. Um, but I just, ah, oh, it's just really hard to get myself moving. Although I wasn't even doing anything, I'd say, taxing, right? Uh, it's not like I was trying to solve major problems in the world or anything. But I was trying to... So I, I started doing my analysis into Google and so I was working into that but that just required so much I think focus I just couldn't get myself to do it um I ended up just getting constantly distracted over and over again so that didn't work out but so I changed my topic to look at a book review and I decided to review Ralph Waldo Emerson's I I guess it's a book with more so a collection of essays. So it starts with self-reliance. That's his main key essay and other essays. And so the book's title is actually called Self-Reliance and Other Essays by Ralph Waldo Emerson. And yeah, that actually, it's a short book. It's, I think, maybe about 100 pages. Uh, And that honestly took two days because I just couldn't uh, get myself just, yeah, motivated enough to do it. But I'm back, and I hope um, by tomorrow everything will be back to normal, and hopefully this only kind of stays as like a once every few months kind of uh, cycle, but yeah, just wanted to kind of give you an update that, yeah, it's just it's just how it is. I'm only human, and these are the flaws I have, and one of the great things about running your own podcast is I get to make my own schedule, so... I apologize if you're really looking forward to the episode and you just didn't get it um, for your Thursday, but I hope um, this will your Friday will be livened up by this book review. So the book review, um, the one-sentence summary, I'd call it, it's a challenging set of essays that genuinely makes you think, and I say think with quotation marks, uh, as it outlays the value of independent thought that is so rare in the world. And yeah, I think thinking is a big theme, um, t- not just 
actually in the context of what the essays talk about, but also just how I really felt just because although the book was 100 pages, I think when I first read it, it took me quite a while because I had to reread and reread and read it over and over like each sentence, each page, because it's, first of all, uh, Emerson's not really, he doesn't write, you know, it's not a modern book. So the way he writes is a little different. The way he tells the stories is a little different. And it, it could also just be that I just, you know, I'm just not intellectually there enough to fully grasp and understand his uh, message immediately. So it takes me some time. And yeah, so that's what I mean when I say it's, it's a, it was a bit of a challenging set of essays for me. And so my rating on the time of review um, is that it was okay. <laughs> It's a classic, so I'd like to revisit it again in the future. And I think there is enough there to warrant a second try for me. But it wasn't something that made me go, oh, yeah, this is profound. And it might be that because maybe, you know, Emerson's work is the source material. And a lot of people I follow and read about talk about very similar thoughts and they made it into their own. So when I read about Emerson's writings, uh, it might not seem as original or profound. So... I want to make note of that. So the I think there are, are about six six or seven um, essays that make up the book itself. And two in particular, um, I think, spoke to me in terms of enough for me to kind of write notes on and made me think a little deeper. The rest um, I just kind of read, highlighted a couple of pages, thought it was interesting, but it wasn't profound. Um but it could also be that I'll have to go back and assess those. So the two essays I'll talk about today, uh, once again, just the highlights and the full notes will be on the show notes as well as just on OMD Ventures in the book list area in general. The two essays I'll talk about, one obviously is Self-Reliance, which is the hallmark, the pillar of this book. And then the second essay is called Intellect. So... In the self-reliance essay, um, there were, I'd say, about maybe four major points I wanted to talk about. And each one, I'm going to read a quote from the book. And sometimes it might be a little long, so bear with me. And I hope I don't butcher it um, and I hit the right places. So the first topic, uh, the quote goes, a, fool- a foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds adored by little statesmen and philosophers and divines. With consistency, a great soul has simply nothing to do. He may as well concern himself with his shadow on the wall. Speak what you think now in hard words, and tomorrow speak what tomorrow thinks in hard words again. Though it contradicts everything you said today. Ah, so you shall be sure to be misunderstood. Is it so bad, then, to be misunderstood? Pythagoras was misunderstood, and Socrates, and Jesus, and Luther, and Copernicus, and Galileo, and Newton, and every pure wise spirit that ever took flesh. To be great is to be misunderstood. And I think when I first read, um, as I I told you before, I go back on each paragraph, each sentence over and over again. So when I first read it, it, the meaning was very clear. It's like, oh yeah, I get it. Yeah, you'll be misunderstood when you have a profound idea. But I think um, an insight into not holding on to false beliefs is another um, factor. Like the first part of the quote where it says, when he talks about the foolish uh, consistency, 
is the hobgoblin of little minds and consistency at least um you know in let's say professional circles work even investing when you think about systematic process predictability it's all like that's all the stuff people want people desire consistency and it's always seen as a good thing but in one way consistency is also kind of a crutch because you don't want to actually change your mind if let's say you you had this one particular view whether it's um a thesis on an investment or maybe it's a political view or just view on life in general and you had this one point of view and sometimes it seems it makes it harder to change it like if it was a platform that you stood on for a very long time you start identifying with it and even in the light of new facts it's really hard to change your mind but the the more harder it is the more you really have to do it because if the facts change the prudent person has to be able to change their mind and once you do that you could actually end up becoming misunderstood not just for having a different opinion but for even going against a platform that you had before then people might actually distrust you because they'll say you're so inconsistent and in the short term yes that is true um but that's not a bad thing and i think that's been that's a very profound mindset to have where inconsistency is is always i think considered to be such a negative thing but the reality is that much of human life um is inconsistent i mean you have to be if you actually want to grow so i thought this was a really powerful topic and that's why i kind of highlighted it um and something i is something i want to continue to try to keep in my mind as well um because i always realize i'm changing my mind often and i hate that about myself in certain aspects um like i feel uh i feel like i kind of shouldn't have taken the opinion in the first place but at the same time i need to take the first stance um and then learn more to eventually change my mind um but yeah it's it's been difficult for me to do and so to read about that i think was kind of um a bit of relief personally and it also made me think a little more on the topic as well so the next time i change my mind again on whatever platform i'm standing on um it hopefully is a it's not easier but i'll be able to uh make me be the rational choice faster the second topic uh the quote goes the void <clears throat> sorry so the quote goes the voyage of the best ship is a zigzag line of 100 tacks see the line from a sufficient distance and it straightens itself to the average tendency your genuine action will explain itself and will explain your other genuine actions your conformity explains nothing act singly and what you have already done singly will justify you now greatness appeals to the future and so that's end quote and for me the great analogy here is like when you look at a business and you look at its stock chart in a two month period especially like times like now with the whole covid situation making the financial markets extremely volatile you're you're going to have major stock swings um in in the prices and it can look pretty erratic but if you look out 10 years so or sorry if you look back 10 years later you'll real you look at the little dot of 2 months and it'll just look like one smooth line you can do that with any stock really like pick like apple or facebook or something and actually apple's better because it has a longer history but yeah look at the 10 year stock chart it looks just like some one smooth line up 
But when you dig into, you know, sometime in 2011, uh, in like May to July or something, and you'll see lines go up and down and up and down. And I think that's just kind of a great analogy for what life really is like as well. Like in when you're in the heat of it and when you're constantly paying attention to it, it can seem frantic. It can seem like nothing's going the way it should and it's so unpredictable and there's just chaos everywhere. Um, but when you look out years later and you realize that, yeah, that was just a little blip. Um, it didn't even make much of a dent in the long journey. And yeah, I think that that's just like a beautiful uh, view on life and just kind of keeping things in perspective. Um, and yeah, eventually the focus, the focal point is just focus on doing, being genuine and taking the actions that actually drive you. Because at least if you do that, um, each weird chaotic turn you take, you actually know why you're doing it, which is exactly what you need to be able to do as an investor. Because when stocks go up and down really quickly, it's sometimes scary, scary to hold an investment, but if you know why you hold it, um, and you did your own research, then yeah, you can hold it better than anyone else um, who might just be frantically reacting to the market. The third topic I want to talk about, uh, so the quote goes, is if our young men miscarry in their first enterprises, they lose all heart. If the young merchant fails, men say he is ruined. If the finest genius studies at one of our colleges and is not installed in an office within one year afterwards in the cities or suburbs of Boston or New York, it seems to his friends and to himself that he is right in being disheartened and in complaining the rest of his life. A sturdy lad from New Hampshire or Vermont who in turn tries all the professions, who teams it, farms it, peddles, keeps a school, preaches, edits a newspaper, goes to Congress, buys a township, and so forth, in successive years and always, like a cat, falls on his feet, is worth a hundred of these city dolls. He walks abreast with his easy and feels no shame in not studying a profession. For he does not postpone his life, but lives already. He has not one change. He has not one chance, but a hundred chances. Sorry, I made a typo here. So I butchered it. Just making that edit in my notes. But yes, if I get back to the code, it's it's fairly simple. Um, it's to just really focus on the present, really focus on um, not really like telling you to be a generalist, not telling you to have a diverse background, but really, yeah, to like not get tied into identities and not to, you know, think like you're supposed to do something and if you don't get it then you just give up um really life's all about just taking it one step at a time and honestly it was pretty timely for me to read this um especially when i was having my own doubts and my own um moment of despair while i was reviewing it so it's quite timely that i actually ended up reviewing it but yeah it's just you know it's the person that gets gets right back up on their feet and that's all you have to do and yeah ignoring what quote-unquote the right thing is what the right way is um, because none of that really exists and the final point on this essay is the quote goes nothing can bring you peace but yourself nothing can bring you peace but the triumph of principles end quote 
there are elements in the essay that I haven't shared where Emerson really focuses on how useless people have become from specialization slash industrialization, where they no longer know all the common skills people of old ages used to have, like, I think, like, reading, like, sundials and stuff. But, um, you know, in one way, I feel like this specialization, uh, as, like, Matt Ridley uh, would argue, it has made society wealthier, and it, I think you know, in in a kind of contradicting way, it, it gives individuals the ability to become um, self-reliant by focusing on the things that their heart truly desires and yearns for. Like, specialization and industrialization has created slack in our system. Um, not the chat app, but actual slack, um, you know, kind of a give in the system where it gives people a chance to become self-reliant in a more productive way where you're not forced to know all the skills of life because you can purchase them at a very low cost um, and save time. And so then your time can be used more productively in things that you're actually good at. And I felt that in the overall essay that Emerson kind of missed that. Um, it could also be me that's missing what Emerson's actually saying. But I think the the important part of the essay was focused on um, the importance of examining the self and to put one's affairs in order first, um, like practically fixing up your your own self before you decide to help other people and the, and the external world because you have a lot of problems in your own life and so you fix that. And then you can actually try to um, go out into the world and make a change happen. And the idea is to just, you know, to be the person that happens to the world instead of the other way around where the world just happens to you and you just kind of follow along, which tends to be what most people succumb to. Um, but yeah, I thought that was the kind of the overall theme of the essay that I want to talk about um, and kind of end off with, but, and also kind of think about my own ways of interpreting what Emerson said and yeah, how I think in one way, his philosophy is a little different from how I, think about self-reliance and how that plays into the world of specialization. And so the next essay is called Intellect. There's really one big point here, and it's quite a long quote, so um, try to, I'll try to read it well. So here it goes. If, uh, damn, I, I hit a roadblock already. I have no idea how to pronounce this name. It's a Greek name, but I think it's, it's, Aeschylus, I think. Anyway, I'll start all over again. So the quote goes, If Aeschylus be that man he is taken for, he has not yet done his office when he has educated the learned of Europe for a thousand years. He is now to prove himself a master of delight to me also. If he cannot do that, all his fame shall avail him nothing with me. I were a fool not to sacrifice a thousand Aeschyluses to my intellectual integrity. Especially take the same ground in regard to abstract truth, the science of the mind, the Bacon, the Spinoza, the Hume, the Schelling, the Kant, or whoever propounds to you to your philosophy of the mind, is only a more or less awkward translator of things in your consciousness, which you have also your way of seeing, perhaps of denominating. Say, then, instead of too timidly pouring onto into his obscure sense, that he has not succeeded in rendering back to you your consciousness. He has not succeeded, not let another try. 
So that can be a little confusing quote, but really what I took out of it was the really important factor of thinking and how, you know, he named all these famous people like Spinoza, Bacon, Kant, um, and how people just kind of, in one way, it's like people will just take for for that as a word that, oh, if this person's famous and this per- this is this individual's idea, then I should accept it. Like, you know, there's philosophers like, you know, who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to Nietzsche? Are you going to listen to Goethe? Like, which, or, or Kant, um, or even psychologists? Like, are you going to be, you know, into Freud? Are you going to be into Jung? Like, they have similarities, they have differences, but it doesn't mean that they're all right. And the important thing is that you need to manifest a level of intellectual integrity for yourself where you will be, in one way, like you should be able to judge these people for their work. Um, It's not, you shouldn't take it as, oh, they're famous and people say they're great, so therefore I will just accept everything. No, it's more so um, they will present their work to you and you should be able to sit down, think, and decide for yourself whether they've earned the right to take mind space um, inside of your own mind. And what Emerson, I believe, is arguing is that you already kind of know in your consciousness what um, philosophy aligns with you, and it's rather you have to explore a lot of these individuals, and the ones that align with you will stick, and you will let them into your mind. But it's really each famous person has to work um, with their own using their own work um, to get that place inside your mind. So one, And that's also like a development. It might not be that Plato uh, hits you immediately. It might not be that Socrates hits you immediately. Maybe right now it's Nietzsche. But as you develop and as your mind expands, that could change. And I think if I think about my own uh, analogy, like investing is, exa- is, a- is exactly like that. Like investors evolve. You have people who are like deep value, Ben Graham style investors who are old school Warren Buffett who gravitates like Charlie Munger, Phil Fisher, growth style investing or vice versa. Some people move on to become more complete generalists like Stan Dreckenmiller and more macro oriented. But it's a continuous development and you realize that you can start questioning the greats and realize that you can also decide to take an opposing point of view like it might be heresy for me to say that I disagree with some things that Warren Buffett says, but sometimes I do. And I start to question whether he's right or wrong in certain aspects of this. Um, one can even say that Buffett choosing to not invest in te- technology-based companies really hurt the entire value investing community because everyone just decided to just blindly follow what Buffett said and didn't invest in technology. But, well, look at them now. Like, it's hurt them in a great deal. So it's all these things, I think, where you really have to start stop we have to stop putting people on a pedestal um and actually treat every individual like who they are just a regular average joe average person and their work has to really earn the mind space um in your head so yeah those are kind of my takeaways of the book i hope this was interesting i hope this was fun um i apologize for kind of taking a day off and uh missing on that podcast but hope this was fun and i hope to be back uh soon and i guess i'll have the friday's episode will be out next week so yeah i hope next week um i'll have a full five days worth of episodes ready for you with more interesting um continuous learning so yeah thanks for tuning in and 
Hope to have you back on the podcast again soon. Take care.